Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is a new installment of our Streets of the World segment, and I'm taking you to Havana, Cuba. And your guide for this new adventure is my friend Doug Kay. You may know him from uh, the uh, All About the Gear show here on the TWIP network. And Doug has been leading photo tours in Cuba for a couple of years, so he knows the place quite well. Welcome, Doug. How have you been? I've been terrific, Valerie. How about you? Pretty good. So I know I'm I'm dying to go to Cuba, and I I <laughs> you've really tempted with all those tours you you're, you're leading. So uh, when uh, when were you there last? Uh, I was just there in January of this year, 2015, and we've got two more workshops lined up. We're going in November of this year. Uh, there's still room, by the way, and in January of 2016. So wow. come along. We'll, okay. have, we'll make room for you. I know. Oh, this is so tempting. Actually, November is very tempting. That's usually the month I take off from uh, from traveling. So I don't know. Eh, I'm thinking about it. So I'll definitely put the link to, the, to those tours. And uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself in case uh, people haven't been watching TWIP or, or listening to All About the Gear. Well, I, uh, I started in photography decades and decades ago. In fact, I recently discovered an old, old picture of me with a 4x5 camera from around 1971. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I took uh, a couple of decades off of photography while I was in the software business, uh, retired from that and got back into photography a number of years ago and have been nonstop ever since. So full-time photography right now, but uh, actually semi-retired officially. And you went back to film. I, well, I have. That's right. I've been shooting film for about two months. Yeah. Uh, very briefly, the reason I did was I was uh, slowly acquiring old Leica lenses to use with my Sony cameras. And then it occurred to me that for relatively little money, I could buy an old Leica film body and use those same lenses shooting film. And I've been having a terrific time. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm next to do that. I'll, uh, I'll call you before I make my purchase. But okay. I'm going to get something uh, to have fun with, you know, same as you. It's like, okay, today I'm just going to head out with a 36 exposure roll of film and see what happens. And, um, you know, I'm shooting just like you do. I'm going out with one body, one lens, Uh, and some film, and that's it. And you know, the best thing about film is at the end of the day, you can go straight to the bar because <laughs> you you don't need to recharge any batteries and you don't have any images to upload since you have to wait a week to get them back from the lab. <laughs> that's right. So it's the ultimate uh, click and drink photo walk. That's right. <laughs> awesome. So um, Havana. Cuba. I've never been there, although I have absolutely no restrictions since I travel on a French passport. So it's just a lack of time, really. Uh, definitely one of the destinations I want to hit, especially now that I got a taste of shooting some color in uh, Rome. And I feel like if I was going to Cuba, I would probably be shooting color mostly because um, that seems to be the the colorful place uh, for street photography. Um, so How do you get there? First of all, how do you get there if you're an American citizen and you still have to you still have those restrictions? Yeah, there there are two ways to look at this. One is if you're an American and you want to follow, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's. Uh, as of the beginning of this year, uh, Obama has loosened the restrictions as much as he possibly could and still follow the law officially because. The embargo is actually created by um, Congress or managed by Congress. Uh, 
So uh, you need a license, but what he's done is made it so that the license doesn't require that you actually get a piece of paper. You just have to follow the rules of the license. You can go to the United States Department of Treasury website because it's the Treasury Department that manages the embargo. And the restrictions are, there are a number of categories, but most people go on what's called a people-to-people exchange license. Again, you don't need a physical license anymore. You just have to follow those guidelines. And if anybody asks on your way back, you say, oh, yeah, I'm doing a people-to-people exchange. Um, the, the challenges for anybody going to Cuba are primarily the fact that there's no infrastructure for things like credit cards, ATMs, and so forth, for the most part. While credit cards are legal, even for Americans now, MasterCard at least is in there, the only places that take credit cards are the big hotels uh, and uh, the airline airlines. So uh, you basically have to take cash for everything you do. It's also not easy to make reservations uh, because of that. So uh, you, you can, if you're if you have a French passport, a Canadian passport, in fact, you can book a scheduled airline trip from uh, Toronto. You can fly straight in there. You can fly straight in from uh, probably from uh, Madrid, probably from London. You can just book a flight and go right in there. Um, the If you're non-American, as I say, the biggest problem is just having cash and getting reservations replaced. But you can also do pretty well without reservations there. There are a lot of places to stay as long as you don't want the big hotels because now that American travel has loosened up, those big hotels are being booked like crazy. Some of the hotels we use are booked a year in advance. Wow. So we've, we've had to scurry around. If you're American, you have two things. Go with an organized trip like ours. That makes it really easy because we cover all the airfare. We use charter flights to get you in and out from Miami to Havana. Um, we take care of getting you a Cuban visa. You cannot get a Cuban visa from the U.S. unless you're on a charter because there's no Cuban embassy in the U.S. So if you're going in without a group like ours, you've got to fly in from Canada or Mexico or Grand Cayman or somewhere like that because you can you can get a visa from those places uh, at the airline counter when you depart your your home base or your local flight in. Oh, okay. So um, two ways to do it, and and if you if you fly in, what we say illegally, um, which means you'll fly in from let's say Cozumel, you fly back to Cozumel from Cozumel, you fly back to the U.S. It used to be that when you went to Cuba, if you were an American, it was important to to tell the Cubans, please do not stamp my passport because I don't want the U.S. <laughs> to yeah. know that I was there. And the Cubans are good about it. They ask you, do you want me to stamp your passport? Of course, now it's a souvenir. So now you say, yes, please. Exactly. Uh, but you used to not do that. <clears throat> and if um, the only thing that's really, really important is when you come back to the U.S., if somebody in Customs and Immigration says, have you been to Cuba? Do not lie to a Customs and Immigration <laughs> official. You say, yes. And that's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Because they can detain you right there at customs. Oh, and, and they will if you lie yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some places are actually uh, nastier. Some airports are nastier than others, too, uh, for, for anything. You know, just like uh, bringing in any fruit or anything, you don't want to lie. Uh, if, you, if you have any fresh, uh, fresh produce or whatever in your, in your bags, because uh, that can get you in some big, big trouble entering the, the, the country. Um, so... Um, I mean, the Cubans, they're, they're, they're welcoming everyone. They don't care where you're from, right? 
That's right. And, you know, contrary to what people may think, they love Americans. They love America. Um, this is always the thing, you know, you go to different parts anywhere in the world and you have this impression, particularly as an American, that someone's not going to like you because they don't like your country or something like that. I've never found that to be true anywhere in the world. No. True. And Cubans are extremely friendly. And I got to say, street photography in Cuba, it's like a street photographer's candy shop. Mm-hmm. Uh First of all, visually, it's so amazing. And secondly, the people are remarkably willing to be photographed uh, candidly and in portraits. And it's just it's just a marvelous place to go. But it, it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel, if you will, because it's almost too easy. It's Yeah, it's overwhelming then. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay, so you, you land in Havana. Um, how, is he, how easy is it to get from the airport to, uh, to the center of town? Very easy, because... Uh, if there's any advantage of their poor economy is that there are lots of people hanging around offering you services, some that you don't want, of course, mm-hmm. but taxis are plentiful. Uh, the rates are negotiable, but it's not difficult. There are two currencies at the moment. There's a Cuban peso that the Cubans use, and then there's a CUC, a C-U-C, which is a convertible peso. That's what all the tourists use. Uh, they differ by a ratio of about 25 to 1, but you will probably never see a Cuban peso until uh, they actually get rid of the kook, which they're, they're threatening to do, but have so for three years now. Okay. But taxis are easy. Uh, you can get anywhere quite easily as long as you're just slightly courageous. You don't have to, it's, it's not a, it's not difficult like some parts of the world. Okay. But you, there, there are taxis and there are taxis. I mean, yeah. you want to make sure you're getting into a legitimate Taxi. Well, you, you, <laughs> are you they know, not legitimate we, at all? We don't. There are there are Cuban taxis, but there are personal cars too. Some yeah. of, some of the beautiful old nineteen uh, fifties yes. American cars that you see, they're all over the place. Some of those are licensed taxis. Some of them are not, uh, but it's everything's relatively negotiable, no matter okay. what. And you'll find if you're there for much time, you'll be taking as much unlicensed. Transportation as you do licensed transportation. Well, hey, we take Uber anywhere in the world. And is that considered licensed transportation? Probably That's not. Good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they have insurance if anything happens. Uh, so I don't know. That's um, Don't quote me on that. But uh, So it wouldn't be any any different, really. So uh, I, where would you recommend? Okay, I'm a street photographer. I have just a few days uh, to spend in Havana. Where do I go? Okay, if you just have a few days, there's no question. You want to go to Habana Vieja, and that's Old Havana. Okay. And that is a section of Cuba where you see all the crumbling buildings. Uh, You know, they've done basically almost no maintenance since 1959. This was a neighborhood that was spectacularly gorgeous. And you can tell that it still has the charm. But because of the nationalization of housing— Uh, You've got people who have basically been assigned to live there for decades, and this is also probably one of the poorest parts of Cuba. So people are living there in these old mansions that used to be single family with lots of staff, and now they have multiple families in these buildings. They're they're quite poor, but they're very nice people, and if you do it right, you can go into their homes and photograph them in their homes, and... But again, with just a few days, you could not possibly exhaust Habana Vieja. It is just a spectacular place. And if I only had two or three days, I would not bother going anywhere else. Oh, really? So um, how big is that area? It's probably, 
I'm going to guess it's, you know, a few square miles. Oh, okay. So it's quite yeah. large. So you it's can a, definitely it, get get lost in those side streets and explore and uh, and find wonderful opportunities off the beaten path. Oh, absolutely. And you want to get out. The, the light in the Caribbean is really beautiful. Even in the, I've never been there in the summer, summer, because it gets pretty hot. But I've been there in the, you know, late spring and um, medium fall. And the light is really nice, no matter what, uh, no matter how it comes into the buildings. But I do like to be out early and I like to stay out late. It's a good place to do street photography at night as well. Mm-hmm. And I actually like, if I'm there a few days, going back to the exact same streets over and over again and seeing them with a fresh eye on subsequent days. You'll see the same people hanging out on the street. You may recognize people. They may recognize you, uh, even though it's it's quite densely populated. So don't be afraid to even wander some of the strange, uh, same streets over and over again. No, and I, I love doing that. Um and and the you know different light and everything. So so you said you can actually so you can interact with people very easily um, in their language, or do some people speak a little bit of English? There's quite a bit of English. Now, when you're in the poorer parts of town, there might not be much English spoken. Uh-huh. I speak the only Spanish I can speak is to order beer and mojitos. Um, <laughs> well, that and can save your life. Yeah, <laughs> it has. <laughs> but but uh, you don't need to speak Spanish. Um, very interesting. All Cubans, they have a great education system. And up until the collapse of the Soviet Union, all Cubans were required to learn Russian in addition to Spanish. Hmm. And once the Soviet Union collapsed, that switched to Spanish and English. So young people all speak some English. Older people all speak some Russian. Interesting. So uh, you, you really don't have too much trouble getting around there. You know, one thing I want to mention, one advantage of going with a group is that you will get Cuban health insurance. They have a very good healthcare system in Cuba. But if you go there and you don't have Cuban health insurance, I'm not sure how you would get healthcare. Anything from something serious down to just, you know, traveler's diarrhea or something like that. It's really nice to be able to walk into a facility there and say, I've got a problem. Here's my certificate. And you get free care. Okay. So, so you'd, you'd feel safe, actually, in case of a problem to go into a Cuban hospital? Oh yeah, I'll tell you. As a as a tour leader, uh, I've had more experience with that than yeah. I'd like. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's uh, you know times when somebody has, like I say, everything from turista to yeah. hopefully not, but something more serious, and we've always been able to get them taken care of quickly. Good, good. That's good to know. So you say that, and I think people should always know at least a few words in the local language. That's the least we can do as um, travelers is um, to to learn enough to have, uh, you know, a minimal conversation, but at least, you know, um, when you walk into a store to greet people in their language and not expect everyone to to know English, I think that's a rude way to travel and a, a rude, and that usually is why sometimes Americans uh, do get the cold shoulder because they expect everyone to speak their language. And I've seen that um, and I've been shocked by it many times, uh, whether it's in France or in other countries where, you know, people would approach a salesperson or a local person in English without bothering asking them if they do speak English. Yes, not everyone yeah. speaks English. Uh, not everyone has to. So uh, I think that especially when it's Spanish, where, you know, you can learn a few words and and uh, at least make a small effort. That's right. And, you know, I've been on 
other trips where, you know, I'm shocked. There are people who will say, I don't know why these people can't speak English. Oh, that or, is so sad. Or they'll say, why, why can't I get American food? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what, what is the point of visiting these places? Yeah. I, I don't understand that. But that does happen. We've both seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. For sure. But actually, you know, in, uh, among photographers, very rarely, I think people just want to, uh, to immerse themselves in the culture and, um, and really experience, experience that. Um, and um, so very rarely among photographers have I... I've seen that kind of attitude, so which is uh, so, great. It's a great so a couple, bunch of people. Things about it: one is, you definitely, you're going to spend time in Old Havana. Uh, there are other neighborhoods in Cuba. You can go to uh, Central Havana, uh, which is a little more residential. When I say residential, I'm thinking residential in the terms of like Manhattan residential, like okay. going to the Upper West Side or something like that. So it's still very urban, uh, but it's uh, a little more peaceful. It's a little more middle class. There is a middle class in Cuba, and that's right next to Old Havana. It's very close. You definitely need to go the ma- to the Malacón. That's that roadway that runs along the Caribbean okay. where you see people hanging out. Uh, there's a lot of free time in Cuba for the Cubans. Therefore, there is a lot of hanging out on the street. And so you want to get out there, especially in the early evening. Uh, great, as I said, a great place to shoot at night, great night street photography. Uh, when you want to, um, when you have free time and you want to pick up some music, of course, music is terrific there. Mm -hmm. There is, like they say, music everywhere. You just have to avoid the touristy spots because everybody in Havana will say they are the Buena Vista Social Club, uh, which is based on the fact that they know somebody who once played one night with the Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, (laughs) So, so it's hard to find anything that's truly authentic. Yeah, but um, uh, it's it's marvelous for the music as well. Also, the beer, the cigars. I should say that if you're non-American, you can bring back probably a fair amount of rum and cigars. If you're American, you can now bring back up to four hundred dollars worth of goods, one hundred dollars of which must be the combined value of your alcohol and your cigars to a hundred dollars worth of that, which doesn't go very far because the good cigars cost a lot of money. And I tell you, I don't smoke. I don't smoke cigars. I love Cuban cigars. Oh, really? So you can really tell the difference even if you're not a connoisseur. I I can because they taste good and I don't get sick. Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) Um, So um, you you said people actually invite you in their homes. I mean, is that something... That yeah, is commonly and, and, done, where you can well, actually way, do like a little reportage in you know of their lives. Oh yeah, it's great. And the way we do that is we take our workshops are a maximum of ten people, and we split up in two groups, five people each, and each group works with a local photographer. I have some friends there who are Cubans who are excellent, excellent photographers. They're members of the Society of Photographers there. And we hire them for the time we're in Old Havana. And they walk the streets with groups of five. And as you know, in street photography, a group of five, we call that a mob. Yeah. Then they split up. (laughs) Uh, We we can split up so that you're not all clustered together. Yeah. But with a group of five people, your guide, uh, who of course is very fluent and knows the city, will walk up to people who are standing outside their homes and speak to them in Spanish and say, you know, do you mind if we come in and look at your home? Wow. And we'll say, sure. 
and you get to go in and they'll show you their home. They're very, even if they have next to nothing, these people are extremely proud of their homes yeah. and they're, they want to show them off. Um, and you know, our guides might give them a few dollars, uh, to help, to help them out. So you don't have to worry about doing that, but, uh, it's a, it's a marvelous way to get to know people. They, if you want them to pose for a portrait, they'll be happy to do that. Um, the, the thing that is, as is always the case, be respectful of the people. Don't just take a quick snapshot and run away. No, interact. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Take the time to, uh, you know, the problem for me with film is I can't show them the pictures, yeah. but <laughs> assuming you're shooting digital, like the rest of the universe, you know, take time to show them what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do is because I go back multiple times when I return, I take small prints with me because there's a chance I'm going to see some of the same people and I will bring them a print, a small print of an image that I've taken in a previous trip. And they love that because a lot of these people do not have any photographs of themselves. That's I was going to say that might be the first print they've ever had of a portrait of themselves. That's a good idea. Another thing that I love doing is um, sometimes I take a little Fuji Instax camera Mm -hmm. uh, so I can take an instant picture and give it to them. Uh, This is a great icebreaker, especially if you're out on your own and you don't speak the language. Uh, If you see some really cute kids, um, you know, you want to photograph them, their parents, their family, whatever. You take a picture and you give it to the mom, a picture of one of the kids. This is treasure to them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this opens up so many doors uh, as part of the time you spend getting to know people to give them a, a photograph of themselves. Yeah. So, um, so tell me, definitely color for Cuba? Well, you know, I, that's a really interesting question. You started out talking about that. I, I always shoot in color, mm-hmm. but I would say the majority of the images that I post on social media are actually converted to black and white. Really? Even for Cuba? Even for Cuba. And the reason is that Here's the, here's the challenge. There is so much color yeah. that when you really want to be photographing people on the streets, the people get lost in the color. Yeah, that's my feeling. That's my personal feeling. And, and that that's a good point. I mean, I just experimented with that in Rome because it struck me as being such a colorful place. And and I did two blog posts: one for color, one for black and white. And the reason why the black and whites were black and white is because the color was overpowering, and and became a distraction and wasn't part in the of the story. So why have it there? Whereas the color images that I kept and and I cherish those in color, um, the the color is a part of the story so yeah i think there there are some times where color is nearly mandatory and that's Mm -hmm. for example when you photograph the old american cars yeah because they just cry out for color and then you there are so many that you start to play games you say i wonder if i can get a red a green and a blue car all in the same shot exactly and no modern cars Mm -hmm. right but uh let's say you're you're shooting the cars and a car drives by and the driver's side windows open and there's a really interesting person inside that car and you have a brightly colored car and you have a brightly colored background and the guy in the driver's seat gets lost. Yeah, he gets lost. Exactly. Yeah. And so if really your photograph is about that person, there's a strong yeah. tendency for me to want to go monochrome. Yeah. Now, I don't – a lot of people – think that you have to decide ahead of time if you want this to be a color image or black and white image. I get home and I sort of discover what I've got. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and I make the decision after the fact as to how I'm going to process yeah. that image. But that's a the, the color is seductive because yeah. of the cars, the costumes, the clothing, the buildings, the texture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and boy, is there texture! You will, <laughs> you will, you will never need to add a grunge effect to any picture from Havana. <laughs> no, I can imagine, uh, which I would never do. You know me. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's great. No, I. So she, uh, Shoot, shoot color, but uh, yeah. think about what your subject is, and if yeah. your subject is the people, make sure they don't get lost. Exactly. Yeah, it can be. It. Yeah, I just experienced that really, and I, something that I don't experience in Paris. I mean, Paris for me is is definitely black and white, but occasionally I will, you know, shoot color. Um, but uh, but I just experienced the the opposite effect in in Rome, where really the color was was so powerful. Uh, but then yes, that's when you have to make those decisions. Uh, is it too powerful and is it distracting? Um, so it's a really good point. Um, so now um, food, it's uh, you you eat well in Cuba. Yeah, well we we do. Um, luckily now. All of the there, – there are paladars. When I first started going there, there were no private restaurants. There were only government-operated restaurants. And they've slowly relaxed the rules and allowed more businesses of many types. Everything for like shoe repairs, nail shops have become really big there hmm. as they are everywhere else. Yeah. And uh, – but uh, a couple of years ago, you could open a private restaurant with a maximum of 20 seats now you can have a restaurant with 50 seats, which okay. means you can run a respectable business as a restaurant. So there is now some very good food. You will primarily eat the same things. You're going to have, you know, beef, chicken, uh, fish, lobster, things like this. Uh, a lot of rice, a lot of beans, but it can be really, really good. Okay. But now... If you get if you do it ahead of time, you can get on Yelp all the good paladars. Paladars are these private restaurants. Mm -hmm. Paladars are all on Yelp and they're all rated. Oh, good. On on our trip, my partner in the trip is Cuban, and he knows everyone and knows everywhere, and he selects the restaurants for us, the paladars, and uh, that makes it easy for me because I can just focus on the photography. But yeah. You can find very good food in Cuba, yeah. um, but, you know, you can also find mediocre food. Yeah, like every, everywhere else, tourists should not drink local water, bottled water only, but it's available everywhere. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing worse to ruin your trip than uh, getting sick, uh, yeah. <laughs> food poisoned. Yeah, it'll take a couple of days out of you. Oh, yeah, that's that's awful. So, um where else where else should we should yeah, we go um, if we have a, extra time? Yeah, good question. Um other than Habana Vieja, I would then get out of Havana. Okay. Now, we take our workshops to two other towns. We go out to the western end of the island to an area called Del Rio and a town called Vinales. Uh, and it is it's a, it was a farming community, big in tobacco. Uh, we visit a beautiful tobacco plantation out there. Uh, and, a, and a totally different kind of street photography because instead of being urban, this is small town Cuba. Mm -hmm. uh, really nice. Instead of hotels, we stay in Casas Particulares, which are private homes that are essentially like small uh, B&Bs. These are okay. people who are allowed and licensed to rent out rooms. They'll serve you breakfast as well. Wow. Uh, very inexpensive, but a really nice way to get to know the Cuban people and how they live. So Vinales is a beautiful area. Then we go to southern Cuba, the the southern shore, 
to one of the oldest towns called Trinidad. And Trinidad is um, one of those, you know, his world heritage towns. It's quite old, quite pretty. It's a little bit touristy. We have to watch out for that. And we figured out how to avoid the touristy parts of Trinidad. But beautiful. It even has a beautiful white sand beach. We, we take a we take part of a day and head to the beach as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's a town that's very good. And then uh, if you go... Our workshops don't go there, but you can go to the eastern end. You can go to Guantanamo. You can go to Santiago. There are a couple of really nice areas out there, too. But uh, I guess the most common place to go after Havana is uh, Trinidad. Yes. Um, very common. Uh, and Cienfuegos is a town that's on the way. Uh, interesting as well. But uh, we, we hit two other places, Vinales and Trinidad. Okay. Now, if you're traveling... Out uh, on your own without a group. How do you get to all those places? Can you rent a car, or is that the yeah. best way to do it? Or should you do? Should you just hire a, a service? Uh, if it were me, I would just hire somebody. And mm. this is going to sound crazy and frightening, but you just start asking around, and yeah. you find someone who'll take you. You know, one time we went to Vinales and we didn't have a bus, and it was a matter of finding someone who had a a van. Mm-hmm. Oh, there could take enough people and it would drive us out there. We found a guy who, you know, had family out in that part of the country and drove us out there and he stayed with his family. He drove us back. Uh, we negotiated a little bit on the price. Yeah. What you can do is you can walk up to wherever there's a cluster of taxis, like in front of the hotels is the best way. And you just start a conversation. And because there's a bit of competition, not mm-hmm. only do you get a decent price, but you'll also talk to someone and he'll say, oh, well, I can't do it, but this guy over here, he's going out that way anyway. He can give you a ride. Okay. So if you're going on your own, it's, uh, I, I find it easier than other places to really, to really improvise okay. uh, because it's friendly. It's a safe country. Um, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm not too paranoid about my gear. Uh, the big hotels have safes in the rooms, but even in the small Um, the small uh, Casas Particulares, I'll leave my camera gear in there when I'm gone for the day. I'm I'm not worried about it. It's a relatively yeah. safe country. Yeah, it, it's funny because um, it's customary in Europe to have a safe in your room. I mean, even if you're in a four or five star hotel. And um, and it's not something that I've ever seen in the States, actually. And a lot of time people question it. It's like, oh, why is there a safe in the room? Is that is it unsafe? I'm like, no, no, no. Right. It's just customary that there is a, you have a safe. You, that's where you put your passport and, and so forth. It doesn't mean that it's more at risk there than anywhere else. But uh But I think it's kind of nice because um, you're more likely if I I feel uncomfortable leaving my passport behind, but it's not any safer on your body, really, because if somebody snatches your bag or something, then uh, you're out. So knowing that it's <laughs> safe in the hotel is actually nice. Yeah, it's so so it's pretty easy to get around, You can, but you can rent a car. Okay, Again, but if you have cash, right? It's going to be cash. Now, some of the there, if you're in Havana, you might find a place that takes a credit card. But you know, take cash. You know, figure figure that for meals. You know, a really good dinner might cost you twenty five dollars or so okay. um, per person. Uh, you know, beer and mojitos are two dollars a piece. Waters uh, one or two dollars for a bottle of water. 
Um, you can go anywhere and get a big, you know, liter of water for not much more than a small bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing to consider is this, that if you're going there, do not take American dollars. And the reason is that when they convert that to Cuban currency, they charge a 10% premium. You'll actually save money if you if you're if you bring in Canadian dollars or euros. Oh, really? Uh, that's That's something I didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're American... The best bet is to convert your American dollars into Canadian dollars or euros and go in that way. Okay. Uh, it's actually cheaper to do the conversion twice than it is to take U.S. dollars in. The only trick is in the U.S., when you go to buy euros, let's say, don't tell them that you're going to Cuba <laughs> because yeah. they're still working under the old assumption that there are horrible restrictions on money flowing into Cuba. And, you know, the the police will rappel down from helicopters and point guns at you. It almost feels that way. Mm-hmm. If you say you're going to Cuba, suddenly no one will give you euros. So just say, no, I'm going to Paris. Okay. And, uh, you know, I want some money. So how long do you think it's going to stay authentic? How long until we see a McDonald's and a Starbucks at the street corner in Havana? Yeah, that's a good question. It, You know, in the few years I've been going, it has changed so fast really? already. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are people who have been there a lot longer who were shocked at the change. Uh, I think you've got, you know, at least a couple of years before anything happens. Uh, right now, the, the challenges are banking and the ability for people to move money in and out of the country. And I don't think that's going to change substantially until Congress of the U.S. makes a change. There's a limit to what the the president can do. But um, it will happen. I think, to give you an idea, one of the big explosions there, and you may have read about this, is Airbnb. Mm-hmm now is hooked up with a lot of these Casas Particulares. So you can actually book some of these private homes through Airbnb. That's caused quite a bit of controversy. Really? Um, yeah, because it's, you know, it's seen as the beginning of the influx of Americans and American dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that's so great about it is there are not many places in the world where you can Uh, I mean, even if you go to the Middle East and places like this, you know, I was in Istanbul doing great street photography, but Istanbul is full of Starbucks. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there is none of that in Cuba. You don't have any any foreign or, let's say, non-authentic signage. Yeah. And you know, you know how much signs can ruin an otherwise great photograph. Yes, for sure. And uh, just like when we're trying to photograph old cars, we work hard to make sure that there's not some brand new Mercedes in the shot or yeah. a brand new Audi or something like that So in Havana. So um, right now, that's pretty easy to do relative to other parts of the world. Yeah. And that's going to be really tough for photography when you start to get signs coming in. Yeah. Um, so I think you got a, a couple of years. But to me, to be honest, I would... I would go really soon because I think you'll want to go back. And when you go back, you'll see the change and you'll love it, you'll hate it. But it's really interesting to see a country that's right in the middle of changing that quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. Okay, I may sign up in November. Okay. <laughs> yeah, gosh, this is great. Well, uh, Doug, thank you so much. I, I learned a lot. I'm sure um, our listeners did too. I mean, it was more than just uh, about street photography, but we're both street photographers, and and that's 
what we focus on when we travel. And so having you on the show with your expertise on, on Cuba and uh, your knowledge of the place and your knowledge of all those laws, I, I think was, uh, was, was great because, uh, yeah, as I said, I, I don't have a problem going there anytime I want, but um, there's, there's still a lot of people who want to get there and, uh, and can't. But it's definitely, things are changing and moving quickly. But then, again, with the good, the bad will come. So... And one of the things we can do, because you have a, a non-U.S. passport, we do, we do this for somebody, in fact, in our January trip already. Um, you could actually go to Toronto and fly in from Toronto and meet us in Havana and not have to go through the whole, oh, yeah. you know, stop in Miami thing. But then you'd if you did that, you'd miss our chance to do uh, some photography in South Beach, Miami, which is an awful lot of fun. Yeah. So okay. you may you may want to come in the hard way. Okay. I'll come the hard <laughs> way through uh, Miami. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, Doug, thanks. So where can people uh, go to uh, find out more about those tours? The simplest thing is just to go to DougK.com. That's Doug, K-A-Y-E.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see a link to workshops. Click on that and it'll take you directly to my Cuba workshop page. Great. And if they don't already uh, do so, they should check out All About the Gear, where you review a new piece of gear. What, is it every week or every two weeks? Every, every two weeks, every we two have weeks. a brand new camera. And, uh, okay, what's that, next? That, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got, uh, let's see, by the time this show airs, we will have just put up our Nikon D5500. Uh, and then we're going to be doing a review of really some interesting cameras, some of these little teeny point and shoots that have a 30x zoom. Wow. Um, and there's a there's a Lumix that we're going to be doing in particular, I think. But um, Not, really not a street stuff. photographer's camera, unless you want to hide behind it, a zoom. Yeah, it's, well, it's small enough. You'd love yeah, it for that. But um, uh, I think uh, it's not one, you know, you and I are big fans of the, the Fuji um, X100 line. And, you know, these are still that and the like are pretty much still the ultimate street cameras in my mind. That's right. Well, thanks, Doug. I know you you're have a busy schedule ahead. Thank you for coming on the um, on Street Focus to do a Street of the World segment. Um, I, I'm glad we could we could chat about Havana because you and I have been exchanging email about that and asking you tips and when to go, where to go. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's still the easiest way to go. It's still to go on, on a tour for sure. And I will link all this on the show note. Have a great day. Okay, thank you, Valerie, and thank uh, I look forward to seeing you in Cuba. Okay, thanks, Doug. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show. And if you enjoy it, share the love and don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. My name is Valérie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets. Hit the streets.